Don't you love this series? Lord, help me. Um, I said this at Oxford Falls last week. They are my three greatest prayer words. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I, I love that God responds to the heart that just says, Lord, help me. I surrender. I, I need this help. I've loved this series. Lord, help me with power. Lord, help me with refreshing. Lord, help me in the truth. How good is the Word of God? I'm a Bible teacher. That's, I teach the New Testament. I'm doing my master's in theology. I am a book nerd to the end. And the book nerd said, yes. Um, I am very anti. No, I'm not anti. Um, someone said to me, oh, I, I have my Bible on my phone and that's really cool and I love that. But no, the smell of a book, you know, tactile. I'm, I love writing all over my Bible. So tonight we're going to get into the Word because when I went um, across this series, don't you? Lo- as I said, I love these series, and we're going to talk about Lord, help me receive comfort. And when I got this this message, when Pastor Alex, first of all, thank you so much, Pastor Alex and Jessen, for having me. How what a great job they are doing, guys! Congratulations, so good. Such a beautiful feel of the presence of God in here, and it's you guys that carry that, so it's so amazing. Guys, can I just say, their team huddle is so cool. The team huddle before, you know, Alex, you're doing such a great, but there's so many people at that team huddle. I went to Avalon, and you know, our team huddle's not that big, and I'm going to go, no, it's all right, I'm going to go back and say, we need a team huddle like silver water. But in the Word of God, there's this beautiful word, comfort, and Some of us today need comfort in our lives, comfort in our families. But as I was praying this afternoon, God was speaking to me about not just comfort as in that beautiful, gentle presence of God that you can feel in this place. Tonight, we're going to talk about a comfort when God answers prayer, a comfort when warfare starts to come around your life. Imagine the comfort of seeing the angels and what's around you, surrounding you, greater is around you than happening that you can see. The comfort of seeing what God is doing above your world, above your lives, the comfort of God and God Almighty. So we're going to talk about that. I'm going to mix that in tonight. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles. We're, we're going to have some fun here tonight. You know what? Um, as I was doing this, I don't know about you, but I find it hard to receive comfort. Is anyone else like that? I'm, I'm a pretty independent girl. Um, when someone comes up and hugs me, I'm, I'm, I'm a hugger. But, you know, I'm a bit of a Christian hugger. You know, like, yeah, thank you. So I'm not like one of those, oh, mix a bat. How cool is that? He's like that. When you hug mix a bat, it's like you're in. This is like comfort. And whether you want it or not, you are being comforted. I love that. I was like, man, that sometimes in God, I was saying this morning, that when God comes to comfort you, you, you have this posture in your spirit of, uh, I'm, I'm not happy with you. You've got this posture in your spirit that, that, that you're turning away from him. My nephew, I said, is at, is at this age where hugging Auntie Katie is very uncool. So I'm a, I go in and go, hello, how are you? And the four-year-old's like, hi, Auntie Katie, and gives me a hug. The eight-year-old's like, hi, Auntie Katie. And, and shows me his back, and I'm like, am I hugging your back? And God spoke to me, and he's like, that's you sometimes with some areas in your life. Some areas in our lives, we, we kind of don't want the comfort of God because we're not sure what he's going to say about this area. You know, our life is like a house. 
And when you open that door to Jesus, he comes in. Don't you love that moment where he comes into your house and you just want to clean it up before, but he doesn't care about the mess and he doesn't care that it's all messy and he just wants to come in and he helps you clean up the house. But there's some areas in our lives, even as Christians of 20 years and 30 years, that no, 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 we don't want you to come in and comfort that area because that's, that's a brick wall to you. That, that, that hurts. That means I actually have to turn around and lean into you in this comforting moment and that's actually going to express and open my heart and show you that I'm absolutely broken in that area. I'm, I actually have to open my heart to you and say, okay, God, I'm going to lean into this. And that's hard, isn't it? Even the other day I was praying and God's like, you've got this area that's just shut off to me, Kate. But I had to, he said, turn. And I'm like, I really don't want to turn because if I turn, I'm going to show you that my heart is absolutely broken. I'm going to show you the pain and I'm going to show you that I'm actually a little bit angry at you. I'm actually going to reveal my heart to you and say, I don't understand what's going on. And he's like, turn. And I turned and you know, the feeling of that big bear hug in God where he's like, I'm just going to take all of that away. That's what we're talking about with the comfort of the Holy Spirit tonight. All right, let's jump into the word. Um, Number one, know you are on a solid foundation. As I was studying the word comfort, I got this strength in my Bible study. It's not an oozy little thing of comfort. The Trinity of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, made up of three, we know that, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are the Trinity of comfort. As much as they are the Trinity of truth in your life and the Trinity of righteousness in your life, they're also the Trinity of comfort. And some of you are happy with them being the trinity of truth, telling you what to do. Maybe you're happy with them with the trinity of salvation, the salvation process. But tonight we're going to talk about how they bring comfort to your life. Open up your Bibles, guys. Let's go to John 14, 26. If you've got it on the phone, I release you to, that's fine. If you don't have a proper one, that's okay. No condemnation in Jesus. Um, Number one, the Holy Spirit brings us comfort. John 14, 26. But the helper... And in the Amplified, it says after that word, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things and he will help you remember everything that I've told you. The Holy Spirit is the person who walks alongside us as the comforter. He's the one that daily we should have our ear turned to him. And when we get into situations, say, Holy Spirit, how how am I going? What do I do here? Do you know what? When when I'm praying or when I'm doing, even when I'm teaching, I'm like, Holy Spirit, I've got my ear to the Holy Spirit because he walks along. The word says, just like Jesus walked alongside, the Holy Spirit is called to walk alongside us. And I love this word, um, the advocate, meaning what? Meaning when you need somebody to stand up for your cause, the Holy Spirit's there. He's going, go for it. He is your greatest advocate. He's like, you can do this. But it's about kind of not turning, turning to him and leaning your ear into what he's saying. Can you imagine the day of Pentecost? Anyone, I said it this morning, I want someone, someone invent a time machine so I can go back to all these Bible moments. I want to go back to the day of Pentecost. Imagine the discouragement at first in that room of what was happening Jesus is gone, he's left, they're all in the upper room, they're praying, they're not sure what they're waiting for, they're kind of a bit discouraged and not sure and confused and everything's happening. And imagine the comfort when the Holy Spirit fell. Imagine that feeling of comfort that this is the answer I have been waiting for. What did the tongues of fire look like upon their head? Imagine that comfort of that fire coming on you 
and the Holy Spirit anointing you to do and the power of um, Peter. I love it. Peter goes from discouraged, absolutely blew it when Jesus is on the cross, three times deny him. Imagine that moment where Peter gets the boldness of the Holy Spirit that would have been comforting to him. So number one, the Holy Spirit gives us comfort. Number two, Father God is a God of comfort. As I was studying this, I realized that my image of Father God was the disciplinarian. Jesus was my best friend and the Holy Spirit was my weird friend power anointing guy. You know, if I needed some anointing, it's like, oh, Holy Spirit. You know, we do it. Oh, Rasarama, thank you, Holy Spirit. And, you know, Father God, oh, Father God's in the room. Let's be him. You know, read your Bible. Do and gee, Jesus is the mate that you hang out with. But as I'm reading this, I'm realizing that the Father God comes with comfort. He is the God of comfort. Watch this, Psalm 103.8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. 1 Corinthians says this, 1.3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And look at it here. The Father of compassion. He's talking about Father God. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. When you come before the Father in your prayer time, when you stand before the Father, He's not judging you. He's not saying, well, let's just have a chat about your... No, no, no. He comes and He's this Father of comfort, this Father of love. He is for you. He is not against you. Sometimes in our prayer life, I can hear it with me. I'm like, oh, Father God, thank you. I've been really good this week and everything's going well. And I'm like... No, he's like a dad. He's like mixer bat. He comes in, how are you doing this week? And he wants to comfort you. Number three, Jesus' comfort was for all our needs. Can I show you some scriptures? Open up your Bibles to Mark 8, 1 to 8. I love that when Jesus walked the earth, he wasn't a God that was too busy. He wasn't a God that was like, no, 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 that's too insignificant for me. I have three years to save the world. Don't mess my time. He was involved in everything. He was engaged in everything and he would stop the busyness of life to just go and comfort someone. Christians today, church today, that's our job, to stop the busyness of life and go and comfort someone. When someone walks in here, not be so busy at what we're doing for the church, but be the church for that poor person that walks in here because that will be the greatest answer to them. Let's have a look at number one. Jesus brought practical compassion. And in the form of food, it says in Mark 8, 1, during those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for the, these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. Sounds like presence conference for us. Anyone else? <laughs> Serving a prayer. I've been through. No, no, that's a joke. It's okay. We did eat at presence conference. It's all right. Um, if I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, but where is this remote place? Can anyone get enough bread? Don't you love these disciples? Jesus is probably like, I don't know why I bother with you guys. Uh, how many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Sometimes in our lives, we feel like God is all about the spiritual and not about the practical. We forget to actually say, okay, God, I need food. God, I need a job. Oh, no, no, I, I don't want to bother God about that because he's not about that. He's about the, the practical. He wants to be involved and bring comfort in every area of your life, every area. I'm not talking about picking your socks because, you know, I'm pretty sure you can do that on your own. But, you know, like the stuff like, okay, God, where am I going to get my rent money this week? Well, he's, he's, worried. he's with you on that. Where am I going to 
be able to feed my family this week. Practical needs that Jesus fills. And it's not all just, just about the spiritual, it's about the practical. He has compassion for sickness. Anyone sick in this room, you're going to love this. Matthew 20, 29. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. I love their boldness. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped. Don't you love that he doesn't listen to the crowd? He says, it's too busy. No, Jesus doesn't have time to heal you, and Jesus stops. He called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. He's not too busy to walk past and all the people are like, we've got three, keep going, keep going. Don't bother Jesus on this. Sometimes in our prayer life, we're like, oh, I won't bother Jesus on that. Bother him. He wants to get involved. Lastly, he had compassion when we don't understand God's plans. I was um, reading this just the other day and got this revelation, John eleven thirty two. When Mary reached the place, we're at, we're at Lazarus' tomb. Let me explain the situation. Lazarus is Jesus' mate, yes? He's not just somebody that he's, he's hang, hung out with Jesus. Mary, Martha, they're all part of his gang. And he's off in the mission field doing his ministry and he hears that Lazarus is sick. And it, when you read this in the Bible, go home and have a read of this. When you read this in the Bible, the disciples are like, Lazarus is sick, Jesus. Thinking that Jesus will just up and go. And Jesus goes, yep, okay, that's all right. And waits for another day. Waits for Lazarus to die. Weird, right? Imagine the disciples going, what are we doing? Does he not love him enough to go? Questioning. Anyway, he gets to where Lazarus is and this is where we enter this story. John eleven thirty two. when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She's heartbroken. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from... Don't you love those crowd people? Well, why didn't he come earlier and why didn't he do this? And why? Did you notice, as I was reading this, I stopped and I, I thought about it. Why did Jesus weep? He knew he was going to raise the dead. He, it was his plan all along. Read this. He knew he was about, in five minutes' time, Lazarus was coming out of that tomb but he stops and he weeps. And as I was studying this, when, when you find things like that in the Bible, study them, have a look at them, wrestle with it. And I'm studying it. And most of the commentary said this, he could see the anguish of the people in confusion. They had no idea. He could see the anguish of what was around him. He could see that, that they needed a savior and he weeps with them. He doesn't condemn them and say, how dare you not have faith in me? Or look, don't you know who I am? He sits down and he has compassion on them. He sits down with them and he says, you know what? I'm really, I get this. This is heartbreaking. I, I know, but you know what? I'm about to do something amazing. 
You imagine that moment. See, in your time right now, you're probably right in the middle of this. You don't understand what God is doing. Everything is, anyone in that moment, everything's going wrong. And you're thinking God's waiting at the other end going, well, I'll just comfort you when you get here, when you've got the faith levels. And sometimes as Christians, we tell people that. You know, you just got to go to faith. And you know what? Jesus wouldn't do that. He'd come into your mess and go, yeah, I get it. I totally get it. I'm going to kneel down with you right now and go, this sucks. I get it. This is horrible. But you know what? Stand up and walk with me because I'm about to raise the dead. Stand up and walk with me because you have no idea where, what I'm about to do. Sometimes you feel like he's judging you for not being strong enough. He's right there with you. The Holy Spirit is right there with you saying, I get it, but let's stand up and keep going. I totally understand, but there's greater things ahead. So tonight, we're going to get that comfort. So number one was this. Know you're on solid foundation of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's not a disciplinarian, a really comfortable, they're all in this beautiful Trinity of comfort. Number two, know the benefits of God's comfort. If you are in that attitude where maybe you've got some hurt and you're not, you're not allowing God to comfort you, let me show you some scriptures so you will turn. Because as I was reading this, I, I kid you not, I could have put 50 promises of comfort in this and we would have been here all night and it would have been really boring. No, it would have been amazing because it's the Word of God. But I thought I'll keep it down to six just so I don't bore you tonight. But as we go through, I notice this, Psalm 119 says this, I am comforted because this is... The title, I'm comforted because no matter what happens, his word never fails. You can find comfort in this book. In a world that is shifting and changing about what truth is and what truth isn't, is this truth or is that truth? Does anyone feel like it's discouraging and it's confusing? And it's a, You can find comfort in the solidness of this book, the rock solidness of his word that never fails. No matter what's going on out there, I find comfort that when my brain is in confusion and I don't understand what's going on and I just sit in my bedroom and I just read his word and I feel the comfort of the strength of the word of God come over me. I feel the comfort of the solid foundation under my feet and I feel that solidness. You, you know that feeling where you're like, I've got my rock underneath my feet again. I'm not on sinking sand, I'm good. Let me show you in Psalm 119, it says this. This is in the Message Bible. I love the Message Bible. Remember what you said to me, your servant. I hang on to these words for dear life. These words hold me up in bad times. Yes, your promises rejuvenate me. The insolent ridicule me without mercy, but I don't budge from your revelation. I watch for your ancient landmark words and know I'm on the right track. But when I see the wicked ignore your directions, I'm beside myself with anger. Don't you love the passion of this guy? It's like so, we need to get this passion. This is a, check this out. I set your instructions to music and sing them as I walk this pilgrim way, like that song with Rubes. I meditate on your name all night, God, treasuring your revelation, O oh God. Still I walk through a reign of derision. This derision means contempt and scorn because I live by your word and counsel. Tonight, maybe you're feeling a bit like you're on sinking sand and the Word of God is going to bring comfort under your feet. But you need to read it and have that solid. Another one, I am comforted that He never changes. Hebrews 13, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Anyone else comforted that we don't have a God like the, the Greek mythology? Has anyone studied Greek mythology? Oh, wow. Their gods are like schizophrenic. You, you go to them and it's like, I'm a powerful God. And then the next day, the God's not a powerful God and they're destroying people. In you. But you've got to remember in the first century, this is the mindset of the gods that Jesus encountered. 
they thought he was a schizophrenic God, that one, one day he was happy with them, the next day he's not, the next day he is. And that's not our God. Because Hebrew says he doesn't change. Yesterday, today, and forever. So when you turn to him, it's not like, I'm not sure what I'm going to get today. No, you know that he is the same. There is security in him. And I love that he never changes. I'm comforted because God restores hope. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Who needs hope? I don't know, in this world where I just encounter people without hope, do you, talking to people and it's like, oh, heartbreaking of that beautiful 12-year-old, there's a 12-year-old that committed suicide. Why at 12 are they without hope? That breaks my heart, church. That makes me think that, church, we've got to get that hope out into that community. What you have in your heart is so vital to them out there because they don't have hope. They need the comfort of hope. They need the comfort that there is a future and a hope. They need that. So don't, we're going to talk about don't keep this to yourself. I'm comforted because he will never leave me nor forsake me. Deuteronomy 31, 8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Can you feel the, um, the, not urgency, but can you feel the definite nature of that statement? It's not, if you're bad, I will never leave you. There's no condition around this. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And I think sometimes in our prayer life, we're like, oh, no, he's left me here. Or he's left. No, he will never leave me or forsake me. There's comfort in knowing that he won't. And I'm gonna give you a couple more Homework, are you ready for your homework? Go home and find your comfort in the Bible. These are mine and you're more than welcome to share them, that's fine. But I can guarantee you're gonna find promises in this Bible that will give you comfort. Maybe it's promises of, of blessing, maybe it's promises of family, maybe it's whatever promise, find comfort in this. Let me tell you one more of my comfort. I love this, I'm comforted because he is stable. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. I genuinely dislike change. Anyone else? I like my ducks in a row. Don't get my ducks out of a row. I like everything the same. I do not, my boss is so beautiful when, because he's changed so many jobs and I'm his PA and he's like, he comes in and sits me down. Would you like a cup of tea? And I'm like, yes. He's like, so we're changing again. And he waits for the, okay, what are we doing? You know, the, the shock, anyone else don't like change? I like all my room the same. I, I'm, I'm just a little bit like that. And I love that, that, that God knows me like that. But sometimes you've got to be bold in change and know that the God that doesn't change will help you through change and get your promises in this. Okay, lastly, know that as you, as you accept comfort, you can comfort others. If you want to be a vessel of comfort, I don't know about you, but I do. I want to be a vessel of hope for this community. I want to be a vessel of comfort, but I've got to allow these walls in me to come down before God and let him comfort me. Because I'm watching, I don't know about you, but I'm watching this sound come out of my mouth every now and then because I'm so disciplined in my life and I'm so to get, this is the word of God and the word of God says and the word of God says it because I'm not allowing God's softness and comfort to come into me, then what I do is I tell people almost that disciplined nature, not that softness and comfort. Is this making sense? Because I'm not allowing God to comfort me, my comfort 
is not being, God's comfort is not being transferred. My discipline is being transferred. And that's not good, especially as a teacher with students. I said it once and I was like, the student was like, this is happening. And I'm like, well, you need to read your Bible. You know, oh my gosh, it came out like, well, you need to read the Bible. You need to stand on the word of God and da, da, da. And I stopped and said, oh, I'm so sorry. That was the worst answer. How are you doing? Are you okay? You know, God brings this beautiful com- comfort. Matthew, I'm going to read um, 2 Corinthians 1, 3. The comfort and hope given to you by God in the midst of trouble can be passed on to others. Let me read that again. The comfort and hope given to you by God in the midst of trouble will be passed on to others. But that means us turning to God for comfort in the midst of trouble. You know, tonight, there's this sense of God in this room. There's this sense of wanting God to do something in this room, do something amazing, change and transform my heart. When I was um, 12 years ago, I, I... fell into severe depression. My nephew died. Has anyone heard of quicksand moments in your life where everything goes wrong? I walked one step and phone call, my nephew died. And then the next step and something else went wrong. And then the next step and you just feel like you're in quicksand. And for six months, I fell into severe depression, uh, shame, everything went wrong. And I couldn't get my brain to, to click back in. And I remember walking into, not this church, and not Oxford Falls, another church, and I remember just walking into the back. And I got quoted scripture after scripture after scripture. Anyone had that experience? Oh, all things work together for good for those who love God. According. And, and I didn't genuinely need that right now. What I genuinely needed was a hug. What I genuinely needed was someone to be like Jesus at Lazarus' tomb and go, get it. This is really horrible. Are you okay? Are, 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 you, are you in there? Are, Katie, are you you're going to survive this? Not, not script. Katie, you've got to do. And one lady said, I think you're in sin. This is why everything's happening to you. That's not comfort, church. When you have allowed God not to be that God to you, He doesn't do that. And if you feel like God does that, change your concept of God he doesn't suck it up princess have some more you know what's that teaspoon of concrete and suck it up whatever it's not God that's human God kneels down next to you and says how you doing this is tough right the comfort the comfort of God just close your eyes I can feel his presence in this place and it takes trust takes yielding if you're not a natural yielder it does it takes trust it may take a moment this week where you just get on your knees and just say I can't do it on my own comfort me but with every eye closed and head bowed I want to talk to you tonight that the first comfort that we have is accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. When you encounter the man of comfort, your life will never be the same. When you have that comfort of eternal life, that's the first thing I wanna address tonight. When you have that comfort of knowing I know where I am going. If something happens when I walk out here, I know that I am going and I have eternal life. 
then tonight, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, then first, I'm gonna get you to put up your hand and be bold because we don't want you leaving this place without the comfort of eternity, without the comfort of knowing that your sins can be completely washed away, completely washed, the sin and having freedom. So if that's you, then I want you to be bold and say, yep, I wanna accept Jesus Christ tonight. 